episode of Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. Today's guest is Tommy Rosen, whom I've dubbed the Affable Man of Venice. He is a yoga teacher, holistic event facilitator, husband, recovery and addiction expert, and a wonderful human being. I have known Tommy Rosen for many years as a colleague, and it is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Tomal. It's incredible to be here. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Tommy's work, uh, he has a book called Recovery 2.0 Beyond Addiction, and I want to just get right into it. What is addiction? I work with a definition that uh, it really brings the whole world under this umbrella of the potential of actually, oh, I might actually have some issues I wasn't aware of before. So my definition of addiction is any behavior you continue to do despite the fact that it brings negative consequences into your life. Mm. So any behavior that brings a negative consequence in that you continue over time. I would consider that an addictive behavior. So I talk about the big six. Drugs, alcohol, food addictions, food eating disorders, people addictions, codependency and mm. sex addiction. Yeah. And money addictions, of course, gambling, shopping, debting, being in a constant state of debt. And the sixth, of course, is technology. <laughs> so our machines. And... Uh, Distractions from our life and from what's important uh, and, and spending too much time with our machines. Those are the big six. Any of those things that are detracting from our life that we continue to do. But then I talk about the four aggravations. These are addictions such as negative thinking, self-doubt, procrastination, and resentment. Mm. And that pretty much brings everybody under the umbrella now. Anyone who's struggled with negative thinking, sure. I mean, who, who could claim they haven't had bouts with negative thinking? Yeah. Self-doubt, procrastination, everybody, you know, put your hands up, you know, <laughs> as, as one of those people who struggles with that. And of course, resentment, feeling a, a, a recurring negative emotion towards another person or a place or a situation. Yeah. All of those fit my definition of addiction. Something you're doing, it hurts you, but you keep doing it anyway. I think it's so interesting how, like you said, technology, it's like we keep reinventing ways to become addicted to things, but it's all the same thing in, in just different uh, masks or disguises. Um, what led you to doing your work that you're doing today? Um, what puts you on this path, this drive in life? Mm. I come to this work the honest way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism in my own life. Mm. Uh, later on, had a good look at gambling addiction, codependency, cigarette addiction, uh, I, in a way, I'm a a walking encyclopedia of addictive experiences right. in one human being. But I, I, I really, it, for me, addiction is as you were just hinting at before. It's all the same. Mm. The manner in which we deal with addiction, that underlying condition of dis-ease, the manner in which we deal with it is what may differ from one person to another. For me, it might have been drugs and alcohol. For another person, it's sex or codependency or gambling or what have you. But we're all trying to deal with the same sense of disconnection, sense of dis-ease, sense of pain, 
an intolerable present reality that we're trying to escape in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, of course, start out that way. You know, when you're a kid, you legitimately might be looking for adventure. Mm -hmm. And if you're not inspired to find adventure in nature or in other more healthful ways, maybe drugs and alcohol are what you have around you. Maybe that's what's going on in your peer group as it is uh, for so many. So you seek your adventure there. You seek your expansion, your consciousness expansion there. And there's certainly nothing wrong with wanting adventure and nothing wrong with wanting to expand your awareness, your consciousness. But the methods that we choose mostly are destructive. Yeah. So we need to upgrade our, our methods of feeling better. We need to upgrade our, our, our methods of pursuing uh, excitement and adventure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the things we actually want to have in our life, we can pursue them without having to, uh, you know, pay very dear prices. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about Recovery 2.0 <clears throat> Beyond Addiction. Recovery 2.0 is this idea that, that comes out of my own experience of finding recovery from drugs and alcohol, but still realizing that I'm swimming in addictive behavior that I have been able to let go of the, the main medicines, my main choices for feeling better were drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Putting those aside, I over time I would come to realize I'm still in this thing that I refer to as the frequency of addiction. Literally uh, an energetic attunement in the body and the mind. You could think of it like a force field surrounding a person. And when they're in that force field of addiction, that frequency of addiction, they're vibrating in such a way that they're bringing addictive behavior in, bringing addictive thinking in, attracting addictive situations and addictive people. It's exactly what I was doing. The drugs and alcohol were removed, but I hadn't yet matured or moved beyond the core issues of my life. I was still suffering. Mm -hmm. So I started to find other ways to deal with that suffering in the absence of the drugs and alcohol. So that could be, you know, women or sex or uh, codependency, big issue for a lot of folks. Uh, cigarettes and, you know, drama, even drama, the pursuit of, of, <laughs> of, of, of just craziness. Stir the pot up. Stir the pot. Let's stir the pot. <laughs> so there you are uh, in the frequency of addiction, even though you, you feel a lot better than you used to. When you use drugs and alcohol, your life was almost, you know, your life force was almost completely depleted. Now you're feeling better, doing better than you were when you were, you know, almost on the street, that kind of thing. But you're still suffering. And after a period of time, that suffering becomes intolerable. Mm -hmm. And now you're at that precipice once again. My God, what am I doing here? I'm five years sober. I'm 10 years sober. I'm 15 years sober. I thought I was supposed to have it by now. I thought I was supposed to be there by now. What happened? And what happened is life happened. You came up against the core issues that were there in the first place when you started using drugs and alcohol. Those core issues had never been fully dealt with. Now they're here in your face and it's raw and you're feeling it. And it's like, wow, I don't have a solution to these particular problems. The solution to the problems wasn't contained in the letting go of drugs and alcohol. Mm. The solution becomes accessible because you let go of drugs and alcohol. 
<clears throat> and one needs a, a, a lot of things. Teachers, mentors, therapists, sponsors, support. Yeah. And you need the wise support of people who have been through things like codependency and, and other issues that can help guide you along your path. So it's always about community and teachers to me. Yeah, it's funny. When I was a kid growing up in a yoga ashram, my father used to always say to me, Tamal, you become like who you hang out with. If you're around the positive and you have the good support, you will be positive and you will transcend. If you go into the negative and you surround yourself around the people that will drag you down, you will go down. He's like, you need the community, you need the support. And it didn't really click to me that much until you know later on in my life when I started getting out into the world and society, and you're like, oh my God. You start seeing people hub together in groups. I mean, I look at interesting that uh, if you look at any society, even groups of people like a bar, a, a general bar is a place where a community gets together, where they're engaging something of like minds and they are supporting each other in that activity. And then you go into other events or other facilities where let's say a yoga studio and everyone's trying to trying to support each other into getting healthy and trying to elevate their consciousness. But you'll see that community is such a huge part of it. That's right. Well, your father was a very wise man. <laughs> Obviously, knowing you as I do, that must have sunk in on some level. Uh, you're one of the most positive people I know. And I would have put it like this. Consciousness is contagious. Mm. You will catch it. It can drag you down or it can drag you up. We must put ourselves around people that can... Well, we put ourselves around people that carry a certain energy or a vibration or a consciousness that we want to have ourselves. And then we got to get around those people and catch it from them. That's why if you're on the path of recovery in the early going, you want to go to lots and lots and lots of 12-step meetings mm -hmm. or be in a community of people who are moving along a spiritual path yeah. to health and wellness, healing. Because without that, uh, you're just too much, we're all just too much prey. We're vulnerable to our own thinking. Yeah, And if your thinking's been negative for a long period of time, even though you want to get better, it's, it's foolish to think that your thinking will all of a sudden just change. Yeah. And, and I'll, just because I really see the light now and I really want to be a sober person, your thinking, it lags a little bit. Yeah. It takes a while to change your thinking and to uh, transform the way that you are in the world. It takes time. So you need to be around community to help you with that. Absolutely. And um, it's funny, um, recently a, a friend of mine gave us uh, a book on the 12 steps and I was just skimming through it and I couldn't believe how um, infused and how much it related to things that you read in yoga sutras and principles of spirituality and becoming a better person and reconciling uh, things that you've done to people in the past and mistreating others, the whole thing really ties into, if you could relate directly to Pandanjali's Eight Sutras and many other Vedic teachings and also just spiritual practices around the world, it was really, um, it was an eye-opener for me. Yeah, the, the, the parallels between the 12-step philosophy and yoga philosophy are innumerable. Yeah. And one, the one, one of the ones I love the most is just the fact that Patanjali was so clear about the, the problem. What the problem is, is simply the mind. That's the problem. And, you know, uh, addicts and people who struggle with addiction may have a particular version of that problem. But it's, it's exactly the same problem as the rest of humanity. We all have a thinking problem. And so the problem is neck up. And so we have to deal with that. 
Patanjali lays it out, you know, real clearly exactly how to deal with that problem. Uh, the 12 steps do it as well. You know, the, interestingly, the 12 steps don't deal with the body piece of it. So it's a spiritual program. It, it connects you with a power greater than yourself. It connects you with a spiritual experience. Yeah. It really does deliver that. Of course, you have to work those steps in order for it to work. You know, you have to actually have to do something. But grind it out. You have to grind it out. You gotta, you gotta work with somebody and and go through that that process. But you will have a spiritual experience, and you'll be connected to a greater power. And therefore, your thinking can change, your 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 actions can change, your habits can change. But the twelve steps don't really deal with the body piece. They don't deal with the breath. Uh, so they're not using the breath as a as an element for change. They're not using the body, or recognizing stress or or ways to deal with diet. Um, so that's that's a big piece of recovery 2.0, mm. is adding those lifestyle elements, the yoga piece of it, into 12-step philosophy. I find that to be, an, a very formidable one-two punch for anything. Yeah, I was actually my next question for you is how um, important was the physical part in recovery 2.0 and I think you just answered it but um, because I've known you for many years and I've heard you speak about how important diet exercise and breath work specifically has been for you so I was very curious to see you know how much you share that with the community out there because I know you share it in your yoga classes but I was wondering if you actually share it in your conferences and lectures that you do around the world on addiction yeah I would say that's the core core element that sets me apart from other people who speak about recovery is that I'm speaking about it uh, from other people obviously speak about holistic approaches to life Mm. and we're really on the same page I just am applying that particular mindset to this group of people so for me there's sort of two ways of dealing with a problem a mental problem right so let's just say we you know we all have a mental problem my mental problem might be that I, you know, I'm stuck in uh, negative thinking, say. Uh, that's not actually my mental problem today, but but it was at one point. But if that's my problem, I can get with a therapist and I can talk about my problem. I'm feeling this. Uh, this is happening in my life. My reaction to that happening in my life is X, Y, and Z. Hmm. And over time in a therapeutic process, that can be very helpful. But I find that's helpful only to a point. Because I'm forgetting about another piece. It's body-based. That other piece is trauma. And let's just define trauma as an undigested, unprocessed negative emotion that's still in the body. Mm-hmm. That's all. So it doesn't have to be some horrendous trauma, like a rape or, or physical violence. Or, or It could just be insecurity or fear. Something that happened at a point in your childhood, you wouldn't even remember it. But it, at that point, it, it created a sense of disconnection or fear or insecurity or even terror yeah and you begin to deal with that in certain ways if that's lodged in my body see i believe that talk therapy is is one of the things that can help but if it's in my body now i've got to go to the somatic mind body healing (laughs) practices so we're talking about yoga meditation we're talking about uh, tai chi chi gong Mm. things that can move energy chi prana through the body and get it moving along so and processed out. So people think, oh, but I, I have to talk about my problems to solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Uh, I think it was Einstein who said, you can't 
solve a problem, a thinking problem at the level of thinking. Mm -hmm. That it has to be solved at another level. And that's what I'm referring to here. There's multiple levels of things going on. I think that's part of the reason why addiction is such a, 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 a strange thing to try to cure. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, how do we cure addiction? Well, I'm not sure it works like that. Yeah. It's like saying, how do you cure the human condition? Yeah. Well, I don't think it works like that. You, you are a human. You have these challenges, and that's part of the point of being human. But what we can do is we can move the past emotions out of the body. Now, when I started to do that work in my recovery, that frequency of addiction that I spoke about earlier, that I was able to break through that frequency, change the energetic attunement of my whole body, my mind, change shifted. I dropped smoking. I dropped gambling. My relationships with women got better. I met and, and, and married my incredible wife. And uh, as my teacher would say, any monkey can have a wedding. You know, but in order to have a marriage and to go through something, you actually need tools, you need skillful means, you need, and these were not things that I had previous to this work. So in my life, I have real uh, viable, uh, I have things I can refer to to say, I was this way before, and then I was this way after. There was a transformation that took place. Part of that transformation required 12-step work. Part of it required therapeutic one-on-one -on -one talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. But without question, where I needed to get to and what I think everybody wants is true freedom mm -hmm. in the mind and body. It wasn't available to me until I added yoga and meditation into my daily life. It's really interesting that you're talking about opening the energy channels in your body and that I always tell people in yoga classes to not see, to not to speak, but to feel. And I think it's really important that um, so much of us have lost the ability to feel things and move things in our body. I've seen students come in who will tell me that they just went through a bad breakup and their shoulders are sunken, their chest is concaved, and it's a physical manifestation in the physical body of the emotional trauma that they are experiencing. Also the mental and psychological too, but as soon as they start doing things that are moving the body to open up that blocked energy. I see people, do, people doing back bends and what to call heart openers in yoga, cobras, up dogs, urdhva dhanurasana, upward bow, all these different things. You see physical transformations in people's body. And not only is the physical transformation, but you start to see this fading of the emotional trauma in them. So I really think it's profound what you're um, conveying and sharing to your uh, audience out there. Well, thank you. I, I, I say uh, your biology becomes your biography. I'm yeah. sorry, your biography becomes your biology. So your story is written into your body. Mm. And that's, uh, I'm so adamant about it. I, I, you know, I work with people uh, quite a bit in addiction at various stages of recovery. And people will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel a great sense of depression. Should I go on antidepressants? Mm. And I'm like, well, let's take a look at that because that's, you know, depression is a very serious medical condition. It's not to be taken lightly. But when I dig into these people's lifestyles, it appears more like they're experiencing trauma, day-to-day -day trauma related to their food choices, more than they're actually depressed in a state of clinical depression. Now, I can't make that assessment for any human being. All you can do is change somebody's diet and see how it changes how they're feeling. 
but you know, some of the guys I work with will, they're pounding like monster drinks and the, the Red <laughs> Bull and the triple espressos because they're looking for impact. They need something, they need to feel something because drugs and alcohol, when they were on high on drugs and alcohol, they really had impact. So they continue to look for impact. And they're like, I feel really depressed. I feel kind of awful in my body. I'm like, well, let's, how about we go on a three-day juice cleanse? <laughs> you know, and they have a splitting headache for the first two days. But on day three, they're like, this is great. I feel fantastic. <laughs> you know, I don't feel depressed at all. And I'm like, well, let's, let's continue a healthy diet over time and see. Some of those people may actually need antidepressants or be mm. chemically imbalanced in a way that requires a medical pharmacological approach. Others of them uh, just needed a lifestyle tweak or they needed, you know, maybe they had a problem they were dealing with that they couldn't express. They were repressing it. So I always say repression leads to depression. And so part of the issue, again, we're dealing with multiple layers of a human being, a very complex uh, creature. So you got to look at it in a holistic perspective. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that records pain and suffering so well as the human body. Yeah. So you can look at somebody you know as a yoga teacher, like you were just describing. You could you probably see people in airports walking down the street. I see them all the time. I'm like, oh, all right, that guy broke his ankle at some point in his past. Wow, he's you know really hiked up in the left hip. Uh, wow, shoulders are forward. He's carrying a lot of fear, not breathing yeah. well. You can see all these things that people stand out like bold print. You know. Yep, and people just breathing clavicularly, just very faint in the chest, living a high stress life. It's very, very interesting. I want to go up to people. I'd be driving them crazy. I want to go to the airport and just start physically adjusting people. Just yeah. let me help you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good way to get popped in the head. Yeah, it is. <laughs> get drop kicked in the nuts. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I was going to bring up, you are known as being slightly controversial in the addiction world in the sense that, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you believe at a certain point we don't have to continue to call ourselves addicts. And can you talk about that a little bit more? Sure. Um, actually, it's, it's a great, uh, one of the greatest blessings I've gotten from yoga was the, the practice of chanting and, and mantra, using mantra. Mantra just simply using certain phrases, words, to, again, change the way you think, the way you feel, to change to break through the ego, to uh, change your vibration at which you uh, are operating. And it really absolutely works. I'm from New York City, you know, very cynical guy. Uh, in my earlier years, I was not somebody who thought I was gonna be chanting in my life. Uh, so that was a really incredible gift of yoga. And so through chanting and through mantra, I started to learn the power of words. And I really understood that the words that I choose to say, either verbally, outwardly, or inwardly to myself, the chatter in my own head, whatever that was, was actually going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So those words, I am, turn out to be very extremely creative words. Whatever follows those words is going to have some power. Mm -hmm. So when you say I am X, Y, or Z, it really needs to be something positive, in my opinion. Now, when I was in early recovery, I needed to say, my name's Tommy, I'm an addict. Because I, I really was that, and I really had been that, and I really was stuck in it.
but through my recovery, I got to a place, especially through the practice in, of yoga, physical yoga, but also chanting, meditation, and mantra, where I could see that to say I'm an addict was an identification of myself as a disease, which more than me not wanting to say those words, it simply was incorrect. It, it, it revealed itself as something that was untrue for me. Like I'm, I, I could be a person on the path of recovery. I could be somebody who has experienced addiction. I could be a person who's recovered from drug addiction. Uh, I could be a person who uh, is in long-term recovery from X, Y, or Z. But to say, I am this, I am an addict, I am an alcoholic, for me, no longer made sense. In fact, I couldn't say it. Mm. So that was a bit of a problem. Uh, before I developed the Recovery 2.0 approach to things in the program, I felt very, very alone. Uh, you go to a meeting and all of a sudden you weren't able to say those words and people are like, well, are you an alcoholic or not? Do you belong here or not? Are you a part of this group or not? Right. And it was very difficult. I was like, you know, I am a part of this group and uh, I am someone who has suffered around addiction and I am someone who wants to walk this path of recovery. But I really can't in all, in all good faith say I'm an addict. Yeah. So, so it is a little controversial, but mostly because it just threatens people's recovery story. Right. Once upon a time, we had an addiction story. We realized we had to let that go because that was killing us. The addiction story is, I need these drugs and alcohol, I need this behavior in order to navigate life. Without this, I won't be able to get through. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Yeah. You gotta let that go, but then you get into your recovery story. I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this other thing. And for a while, that may be true. I had to go to meetings every day. Uh, I had to have a sponsor and work through the 12 steps. Those are the things that actually helped me to transform. But later on in my recovery, years later, my needs, my being, and my program changed. And I think that we just have to have an open discourse to allow for evolution within recovery. If recovery is the same thing on day one as day 20, oh, as year 20, that's weird. Yeah. Right? So we know that different people need different things at different times. Yeah. So my language has changed. Absolutely. So... Um... In essence, you're saying, I am an addict shouldn't be my identity. I always go back to the saying that's in yoga, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit. Um, and you're saying, I am, that word I am is powerful. And I always think that that spiritual term in yoga, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit, really sums it up that if you can say aham brahmasmi, that is something that um, will lead you to a path of I feel enlightenment. Versus saying, I am this, I am that, I am that, but ahambra masmi. Yes. I am spirit. And I always tell people that in yoga philosophy, they say, you're not a body that possesses a soul. You're a soul that possesses a body. Mm. And when you start to get into these deep spiritual ideas, they're not far different from what's in the 12 steps as far as spiritual ideas that are in yoga. Um, I always tell people that it will really change your consciousness it'll put you on this spiritual path because I feel also there's something missing even in a lot of yoga classes in Los Angeles and just the world in general that we tend to dilute 
um, what's going on. It just becomes a, a physical exercise. Similar to when you were saying that the 12 steps is missing physicality. I feel like a lot of yoga that's out there has the physicality, but now we're taking out the mind, spirituality, other aspects that get lost in translation from the east to the west. Mm. Um, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much to say there. Uh, try not to get too out there in terms of esoteric philosophy, <laughs> but for me, the the change for me came when. I had an external concept of a higher power. Mm. And that external concept as a higher power became an internal concept. Meaning, at one point, there was this God or sense of God or spirit which didn't include me. Mm. I had to pray to it. It was separate from me. Later on, my understanding through a lot of work uh, along the yogic plane of, of thinking, I was included in the universe, that there was a piece of divinity within me, that I could not be separated from the creator, that the creator and all of creation were one. That understanding is what ended up fueling, well, everything, Recovery 2.0, everything you're talking about. Because now, all of a sudden, I recognized the transformation and the, the source of power was connected to me. And it was sort of like good news and bad news. Because <laughs> it's kind of like, on the one hand, uh, I'm, I'm connected to the source of all power. On the other hand, that means I'm going to have to do something. That means I'm going to have to act. We have responsibility. I'm going to have to be responsible. And and it's sort of like gulp. You know, you really step into power there. It's like, well, you've wanted power your whole life. Okay, now here it is. You have all the power you need. You're going to be able to create a life according to the way you would create it. Yeah. You're not a victim anymore. You're not a victim of circumstances beyond your control. You're actually in the driver's seat of your life. And now you're going to have to make the most of it. Your successes will be yours. Your failures will be yours. All of it, you lay the whole thing at God's feet. But laying it at God's feet, it means you're laying it at your own feet as well. So it's this deeper connection with everything that is. And that fuels a new way of thinking where how could you think like that and then raise your hand and say, I'm an addict. It's like, well, I'm a, you know, to have a, to understand that you're a spiritual being in your core and that you've come into a body that you have this body for a period of time to, to experience and have the felt experience of humanity and then move on to whatever the next thing might be. How could you have that understanding and then say, I'm an alcoholic? Now you, you, there are people that may need to say that for a period of time and it's useful and it's helpful. I just wish that there was um, a group of people who allowed each other to change their language without it being threatening yeah. to the whole. And so there is, it's called Recovery 2.0. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, 
uh, very powerful what you were just saying about you made a connection that yes there's a higher power but you are also a spiritual being and I always I, it's similar to things that I've been going through in my own life and just reading and meditating on and thinking about I mean in yoga they talk about there being a paramatma and a jiva atma that there is a spiritual being this higher power but you are also a spiritual being um, something that I will kind of divert our conversation into we'll take a little detour in um, but it's still related to everything we're talking about is some easy steps for people to apply in their own life um, whether it's an addiction to technology as you said sex money drugs relationships whatever it may be is there any some very basic simple tips you could advise people on or suggest for them in this given moment let's drop some knowledge Tommy it it, it depends on how chronic the situation is yeah if you're dealing with severe drug addiction like heroin addiction any kind of opiate addiction cocaine addiction methamphetamine addiction or alcoholism those in particular also pills uh, so benzodiazepines and that class of drugs like Xanax and and Valium and, and those kinds of drugs if you're dealing with that kind of an addiction you probably need medical assistance mm -hmm. at least in a detoxification period yeah so that means you you need to go into a, a, a treatment facility and get help for that that could be a hospital for a period of detox maybe a week or two or that could be and this is preferable it could be a reputable treatment center for primary treatment from drug and alcohol addiction if you're dealing with uh, you know marijuana addiction is a very very difficult one to let go of it's not immediately life-threatening the way the other ones are so I put it in just a different class of, of, of acuteness if you will uh, but if you're dealing with low-grade drug addiction of some kind like you kind of know it's a problem you haven't been able to stop uh, you don't know what to do. You don't necessarily even feel like you're an addict, but God, you wish your life would improve and you don't seem to be able to buy a good a good uh, run of luck. <clears throat> you know, I, I would suggest, first of all, uh, you admit to yourself that you have a problem that currently you don't have enough power to get over. So there's this admittance of powerlessness. Not powerless over your whole life, but when it comes to this particular thing, you don't yet have enough power to overcome this challenge in your life. If you can admit that to yourself, the next thing is, okay, that means I need help. Who can I get help from? 12-step meetings, 12-step fellowship, and the 12-step program, fantastic. It's free. People there actually want you to get better. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of support and a lot of knowledge in those rooms. So my first thought is go there and give it a try and just see what's there. Therapy, working one-on-one -on -one with another human being, really great, really helpful. Uh, practicing yoga and eating well and, and, and being healthy is great, but if you're stuck in addiction, you're going to have to do work specific to getting over addiction. So people say to me all the time, can I get sober going to yoga classes? I'm like, I wouldn't bet my life on it. You know, you need a really complete program that can help you day-to-day give you community and people that you can bounce ideas, your probably bad ideas off of on a regular day, uh, everyday basis. And uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to realize I'm not thinking well. 
and my and I'm not feeling well and because I'm not feeling well I'm acting out in these different ways and I can see that it's hurting my life and I don't seem to be able to change well there's a treatment for that you know and it really is called the 12 steps so I, I'm an advocate there um, in terms of people who are just working on bad habits you don't feel like you you still feel like you can stop uh, you know my 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 thought is if you're if you're drinking and you think you can stop on your own then just try to drink in a controlled manner spend spend two weeks trying to drink in a controlled manner you'll find out if you're an alcoholic or not if you can't do it don't feel alone you're with millions and millions of people across the world and and there's a treatment for it there's a way through it um, I think that's that's what I would say on that right now you know if you're if you're somebody that's on a path of recovery and or maybe you've relapsed a lot and you struggle with relapse you know you gotta you gotta come back again you don't despair you don't give up and you you take a look at what might have been missing from your approach the first time and and I guess the number one thing I would offer up for people is if you're facing addiction of any kind on your own you're going to fail you will not get through it I've never known a single human being that does anything worthwhile on their own on this planet everything is collaborative everything is a co-creation everything so your recovery is also a co-creation so you have to come into contact with other people just like what we've talked about on this most of this podcast yeah that was great. Um, you know, it's uh, just digesting some of the stuff you're telling and sharing on this podcast. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, taking control of your own life. Um, so many people that feel that they're not uh, addicted to a specific substance, but they are just um, lost. They feel lost in the world. Um, they don't know what their career is. They don't know how to find a relationship. They feel like they're in a continual rut of negativity, a continual rut of not getting their stuff together. Um, I still feel that is still in the line of addiction. It's a habit. It's something that is self-destructive. Any suggestions or thoughts on ideas on how to control or take control of your life again? It, it turns out that human beings actually need a mission and a purpose in their life to be fulfilled. It's not actually uh, okay for us to float. We Many of us float through life and, and feel a sense of something's missing. I feel like I'm only living halfway, a half-life of some kind. And our mission in life, if you don't know what your mission in life is, then your mission in life is to find your mission in life. Mm. And that's a good enough mission. Yeah. You, and, and the way you find your mission in life is you ask yourself two questions. What am I good at? What do I love? And everybody's good at something. People may not have an immediate answer to that question, but everybody has gifts. Everybody. One may not have discovered their innate gifts, but your innate gifts are going to be a key to your time and mission on this planet. And then what do, you, what do you love to do? Everybody has things that they're passionate about, enthusiastic about. Again, people may be cut off from that, but one has to do some inquiry. And on a path of recovery, so in my recovery, uh, took me, so I'm 24 years sober this week actually, 
I just turned 24 years sober. That's a big, uh, that's a big, uh, that's a big deal for the world at large. Everyone's happy that I'm sober. You know, (laughs) the world's a better place without me using drugs (laughs) and alcohol. But uh, it took me, my purpose and mission unfolded for me over 20 years. It wasn't like, even at 10 years, it wasn't like, oh, I, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing now. Right. Now I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But it took, it took what it took. And along the way, I just didn't get off the path of asking the question, what do I love to do? What am I good at? And the universe doesn't always give us things that we're looking for in our time. But the universe will provide over time if you sincerely look for the answer to those questions. So that's what I would say to people. And uh, one other thing is the, the three Ds that I talk about is desire, direction, and discipline. You need to have a heartfelt desire to do anything. You have to have direction. In other words, how do I get this thing done? And then you have to have discipline, which simply means being a student of, a disciple. So you have to be a disciple to apply the good direction which answers the desire spoken by your heart. If you can do that, you're going to have, there's just no issue. The only issue you could have then is impatience. It's like you just want it faster, but it's coming. It's all coming for you. Your purpose and your mission, once you're on it, you wake up every day and it's like, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing because this is what I would choose to do meaning this is what my spirit and my heart would choose to do. So there's no choice in the matter. There's no, God, I wonder if I should be doing this or not. It's like, no, I'm doing what I love. I'm good at it. And it's fulfilling and it's helpful. And that just brings me to the last piece, which is service. And service is the, the crux of any spiritual program. If any spiritual program doesn't involve service to humanity in it, I have to say it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we, we understand as spiritual beings in human bodies that there's something very special that happens down here on this earthly plane and we need to preserve it and we need to help others to uh, be able to do all they came here to do. So the service to humanity piece of recovery or the service piece of yoga are, are critical to anybody finding fulfillment on this, in this life. My... My happiness, my fulfillment lies within the heart of other human beings. It's not completely up to me. I, I get fulfilled by unlocking somebody else's heart and finding the gifts there or, or them finding the gifts there and me benefiting from it. It's not a selfish thing, but it's just sort of the way it works. Finding joy in other people's joy. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, it's funny that you were saying, it's interesting that you are saying how, you know, it took you 24 years to you know now what you wanted to do, that it's not always you are given the answer of what you're supposed to do immediately. It's uh, one of my teachers used to tell me that God's not going to give you the answer when you want it. God's going to give you the answer when it's right. And I think that's similar along the lines of what you were saying. Yes. Um, Any last thoughts that you would like to share with anybody? Sure. If somebody's listening to this and you're feeling stuck, you could be stuck in chronic addiction or you could be stuck in bad thinking or stuck in some habit that you want to move beyond in your life. No matter how many times you've tried to get beyond it and you may have struggled and failed, you simply can never give up. 
you must never, ever, ever give up trying. Don't despair. There is a way through every block, even though it doesn't always feel that way. Get around people who can help you. Those are the people who you would consider to be teachers, mentors, therapists, friends and family who've been through things before successfully. Look for the people who are winning in their life, who have a a certain way of being that you wish you could be like that. Rather than resenting those people, go up to them and say, hey, could I ask you a question? Could you help me? You know, there's very few people that would turn you down if you sincerely ask them for help in this world. So don't be alone. Don't despair. And um, remember, there really is an answer to any challenge you have. Just because you haven't found it yet doesn't mean there isn't one. So uh, with that, I will say good luck on your path of recovery, on your road to becoming you. It's very exciting. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you too. I'm excited for myself. <laughs> excited for everybody that's listening. Um, the road to re- really discovering you. That's amazing. The road to discovering you. Thank you so much, Tommy, for being on Salty Thoughts. Mm. Until next time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Namaste. Namaste.